to the banner on, on your left, which guides us every single day and week and month and year of, of our calendar at Central, and that is this. We exist to be authentic followers of Jesus, that's why we're here, who lead others to follow him. And on this side, we've got all of our core values, which help facilitate this vision. And, um, and so this is why we exist. And if you've been around for a while, uh, maybe today is your first uh, day among us. A special welcome to you. Hope you stay for lunch afterwards so we can get to know you better. Uh, but uh, there's two parts to this. And as I was thinking about our, our vision and our mission as a church, uh, my mind immediately went to a teaching uh, from Luke chapter 10 where Jesus breaks down the greatest commandments in all of Scripture into two parts. And, they, and they, they explain this so well. So why don't we go there today uh, to Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to read. The words will be on the screen. Uh, if you don't have a Bible but like to follow along that way, we have them at the Welcome Center. They're yours to take and keep our gift to you. So please do that. But you can follow along on the screen. Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, that's Jesus, to the test, saying, teacher, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? Here's the big question. So he said to them, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Lord, guide us through this text today as we help, as we try to understand, uh, would you help us uh, figure out why it is we're here, why we exist, and what you're calling us to do. So speak to us, Lord, but through your word. Help us to hear your voice only as applied by your, your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to focus heavily on the second part of our mission statement today, but the first is this. Uh, we exist to be authentic followers of Jesus, and so if you line that up with what Jesus said, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. This is uh, what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus, is to love God with everything we've got through the finished work of his son on the cross. 
Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in him, we are saved. He becomes our hope. And it is through Jesus that we develop this authentic relationship with uh, the Lord God, our Father, and we can love him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind because when we put our faith in Jesus, his spirit comes to live in us and gives us the ability to do this. doesn't mean we do it perfectly, but by his help, we're moving more and more into our love for God. So uh, Joshua, as told by God in the Old Testament, he said this to the people. He said, be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commands. And then he said this, and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. The reason I inserted that, that passage just at the last moment, it's not on the screen, is because I had a little conversation yesterday afternoon with our Lake Arrow campus pastor, Chris Battle, and over there yesterday, he focused on this passage from Joshua 22, which mirrors Luke, uh, what Jesus said in Luke 10, really, and Chris focused on this word, cling to him. And, and Chris said, he said, church, are you gonna have a fling with God, a casual relationship, or do you wanna cling to him? It's marriage, it's marriage talk, really, and all through Scripture, our relationship with God, and more specifically through Jesus, if you read Ephesians chapter 5, it is a love relationship, an intimate relationship like, uh, like it is between a husband and a wife. So whether you're married or single, young or old, it doesn't matter. We are the bride of Christ as, as a church, and he is our bridegroom. And he loves us, and he wants us to love him in return and to submit to him and to revere him and to sacrifice for him as he sacrificed first and loved us first. And so my call and my question to you is, are you willing to leave and cleave? (laughs) Will you cling to Jesus today? Will you make him your number one? But the second part of what Jesus said uh, is, and to love your neighbors yourself, and so we exist then to lead others to follow him. And how do we do that? It's by loving other people, and as we see in this passage, to meet the needs of people is how we love them, which is how we love God. Our love for God is proven by how we love other people, and that's not just words, friends, it's actions. It means that we meet their needs. So I think one of the greatest ways that our love for God deepens is through brokenness. If you, if you read what comes before in Luke chapter, before Luke chapter 10, especially the, the, the woman who is like uh, the sinful woman, the one who is caught in adultery, uh, weeping at the feet of Jesus, breaking perfume, a jar of expensive perfume, and pouring it on his head and kissing his feet, and so thankful for the forgiveness that he offered her. Her love for him was deepened so much when she realized just how incredible his grace was and how much she had been forgiven of her sin as she repented and fell at his feet and realized just how short she fell of God's holy standard. And in our time of need and in our desperation, we love him more. And the more we love him based on what he has done for us, the more we love others And get this, friends, here's the key. In their brokenness. In their brokenness. (laughs) Let's move towards people in their brokenness, friends. 
That's what I'm going to call us to a church, as a church to this fall and this year, is to move towards people in their brokenness and demonstrate for them in tangible ways the love of God because we, because people who have been forgiven much, they do what? They love much. That's what scripture says. People who have been forgiven much, that's what Jesus said, they love much. And I want us this year to love much. So how do we do that? As I've said, one of the greatest ways our love for God is expressed is through meeting the needs of others as told in the story by Jesus. And I would submit to you that if we're not doing the second part, we're not doing the first part. It's a package deal. So this lawyer, expert in the law, wanting to justify himself because he either said he loved others but didn't show it or because he only loved those who could love him in return, he asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? The answer is obvious from the text. The neighbor is in the story was the nameless, stripped, beaten, and robbed man. But the real issue is, how do I be a neighbor? So does this mean then that the only people that we should have mercy and compassion on are the nameless, stripped, beaten, and robbed among us? I think that Jesus was helping this expert in the law and ultimately us understand that first of all, my neighbor is not necessarily someone that I know by name. You see, when we use the word neighbor, we usually think of the the person who lives uh, next door or the person we talk to over the fence as Tim the Toolman Taylor did every day, right? Or, uh, you know, the guy just down the street that hopefully we know by name because he lives really close to us. Our neighbor is not necessarily that person. Secondly, I think Jesus is helping us understand that my neighbor is anyone, anyone who has a need, whose need I am in a position to meet. And let me say that again, and it's going to be on the screen. My neighbor is anyone who has a need, whose need I am in a position to meet. So meeting needs, friends, is one of the greatest expressions of our faith our love for God and for others, and it's something that I want this church to be known for in this community. That's why I, and hopefully all of us together, are trying so hard to build good relationships with the school (laughs) who has uh, a breakfast, now lunch, and a weekend backpack program. And I've had a visit again with the principal at the beginning of the school year, and we had good dialogue about how that might uh, expand this season, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Exciting stuff. That's why I want this church to be involved in our community through community services, through family parenting place, through the thrift store, through literacy programs, through volunteering in all kinds of ways. I, I just love the, the, the church that my uh, daughter and son-in-law, the new church they found on the East Coast in Moncton, it's the Moncton Wesleyan Church, and their vision is to be the largest volunteer f- force in the city of Moncton. And they're doing it. And that city is blessed. They had a service when we were there last together Uh, During Nurses Week, you know, they set aside a a week to honor nurses in the community, and the church was packed with nurses. Why? Because they put on events that would just bless the medical community among them. And what they're trying to do, like at 
medical clinics and pregnancy centers and all of these things to help serve. So who shows up at church is like a whole whack of nurses and they had a nurse preaching that morning. It was wonderful. And and I want our church to be known as a church. Here's a question. Here's a question that I think we should ask ourselves every day. If Central Community Church ceased to exist, we closed the doors, which we're not going to (laughs) do. But if we ceased to exist, would this community care? Would they even notice? And if they don't care, and if they don't notice, then we should close the doors. So so the second part of this uh, mission statement uh, really helps us with our first two, because we can't do the first without doing the second. So James chapter two, James said to the church, the early church, the apostle, what, is it, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Interesting uh, that the question posed by the legal expert to Jesus was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> and James says, hey, can, can just lip service save a person? James says no. Jesus says no. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You know how that last word is spelled? D-E-A-D. Is dead. And so another thing that we're working hard uh, on in the community together with all of the churches in our district is uh, at the bidding, not only the needs that we see as a church, but at the bidding of the district, the mayor, its counselors. Village of Harrison is getting, getting involved. Healthy Communities Committee, uh, you name it. Fraser Health coming to us and saying, can we please address the issue of affordable housing and homelessness in our district? And the ball, friends, is, it's, like, it's like this snowball that has become this huge thing and it is going down the mountain faster than we can control it. So pray, but there's a time coming really quick where your involvement will be critical in helping volunteer and staff and serve and love as we establish a resource center and a place actually to house people and with BC Housing and all of that. So it's, it's coming, friends. We're... We want to make an impact in this community, and, and we need all of us to be on board. It, it's exciting times that, that I personally am living in, and it seems like since moving into Agassiz, uh, Marcy and I, like the doors are just blowing open like crazy. And it is so good, so good to be able to speak openly about our faith with all of these organizations in the community and, and them asking us, please, would you help? Would you do this? It's great. Um, you see, if, if I am not expressing my love for God and for others, there's good reason to question, James says, if I have faith at all. It's a sobering thought. First John chapter 3 is also sobering. The Apostle John said, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. 
And Jesus in Matthew, uh, he, he affirmed this. He said, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So let's not only confess Christ and put our faith in him with our lips, but let's do it, friends, with our deeds. And that, first of all, is meeting the needs of others. So I want to just give us five quick things from this uh, text on what, it, what meeting needs looks like. Number one, meeting needs demands our time. Demands our time. So in verse 31, it says that this priest happened to be going down the same road and, and then a Levite. And these, these are both people that should have made the time, but it said that they went around. But a Samaritan, listen to this. Here's the key word in verse 31. A Samaritan, as he traveled, this guy had an agenda. He was on a trip. He, maybe he was on a business trip. Like he was going to meet a contact. You know, he's from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's meeting a contact there so they can have a business lunch and work out, you know, the plans for this new hotel they were building. Or he's a busy man, right? As he traveled, he came across this need and he met the need. You see, our time is precious to us. We often feel as though we don't have enough of it. And it's time that can be one of our greatest excuses to not get involved, especially when I have an agenda. So, you know, naturally, nobody wants their travel plans interrupted, right? But supernaturally, we should be open to it, even expect it, and believe that, that as this uh, Samaritan, who I believe made up his mind what he would do long before he met that man lying on the side of the road, believe that God has a plan that when there's a need among us and we stop to meet, that he's also going to meet our needs and things are going to happen according to his will and purpose. Do you believe that? There's a couple that uh, they just celebrated their, what did Alec and Lori celebrate? 50th wedding anniversary. He came to faith a little later in Christ while I was serving in Richmond. He was a captain in the fire department there and our lead pastor was the chaplain and he came to faith in Christ and I had a part in his baptism and he and I have sort of mentored each other along the way, and we still meet monthly for breakfast. Awesome. But that couple, they inspire me because um, they, they take frequent trips. But every trip, they have created space in their agenda to stop, just to meet people's needs. They not only come across them, but they actually expect them, and they look for them. They've even planned trips, friends, with that sole purpose in mind, we're gonna hit the road in our RV and we're just gonna look for people who have needs. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? They build it into their agenda so that when they see somebody with a flat tire on the side of the road or somebody who needs a little bit of food or whatever, they go, okay, here's the moment that God put in our path. We're gonna stop and meet it and we're not gonna worry about the time because we expected it to happen. It's amazing. I gotta move on because you know me, I can keep preaching. I told somebody to shoot BBs at me if I go over 30 minutes. Oliver, <laughs> just, I'm gonna hide here behind. Uh, it's awesome. Anyway, I get so excited about this. Number two, meeting needs demi- demands not only our time but our resources, physical resources. This uh, Samaritan who was traveling, he, like he opened up, like he met the needs physically, put the guy up in a hotel, and then he opened up his wallet and he says, "Hey, here, innkeeper, here's some more money. And if there's more that I owe you, when I come back from my business trip, I'll dish out some more. Don't worry about the cost; I got it covered." 
when we meet needs, friends, it's gonna cost us. But let me ask you a question. How much did your salvation cost you? Because there is no such thing as a free lunch. I heard that from John Maxwell one time. He said, you go to a free lunch, it's not free. It's free to you, but somebody paid for it. Friends, what did Jesus pay? He paid with his blood that our needs would be met. That's not just a few denarii. That's all. All God is asking from us is what he's given us. Now, don't get hung up on the amount. It may not be a thousand. It may be. Maybe a couple of bucks. It may be a cup of cold water. Jesus said it doesn't matter. If you give a cup of cold water in my name, Jesus said, then you've ministered in my name. It's not the amount. It's the fact that we're willing to share our resources, whatever they may be. Our time and our money. Two denarii for this guy was a lot of cash. Like, if you... I could explain how it all breaks down, but it basically was an average daily wage, one denarii, for for a workman. So let's say a laborer today earns, I'm going to be a little on the low side, let's say $45,000 a year. That would have been, friends, you coming along and dishing out 350 bucks just to get this started. How many watched the U.S. Open yesterday? <laughs> Woo! I, I'm not normally a tennis fan. I like it, but man, this was history-making stuff, and it was so good to see this. I call her the kid. Ah, oh, the kid. She's going to lose. Like, she started tanking in the second set there, and I'm like, oh, she's going to lose the match. And she came back. She literally is plugging her ears as the crowd is cheering for Williams, and she's like, I'm putting that all out of my mind, and I'm just going to do what I have to do. But you know what caught, caught my attention throughout the whole thing was her parents. And you know what happened? This girl's Romanian. The uh, Bianca, uh, what's her last name? I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah. Andrescu. Yeah, thank you. 19-year-old kid. Her parents left Romania so that she could pursue tennis. And they arrived in Canada with two suitcases. They sold everything they had to invest into her daughter. And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine the pride and the joy in their face and also the like, woohoo, we hit the jackpot after they presented her a $3.85 million check to a 19-year-old on one of the biggest stages in the world, in the tennis world. And I'm thinking, boy, they made a good move. They made a good move. It's a big gamble. However, when we sacrifice, not saying sell it all, for someone else who's in need, our reward is far greater than 3.85 mil. Because you can't put a price on eternal life. Number three, meeting needs demands our emotions. It's a matter of the heart first. Being a neighbor means that you show mercy, compassion, pity. It's an expression of faith that shows that our faith is real because it hits us here. It's always a matter of the heart first, not a matter of the wallet or our time. God wants our heart. 
Jesus said to his followers in Matthew 9, go and learn what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I don't care about your sacrifices, I care about your heart. James 3, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. That's what it means to live with wisdom, friends, is to have mercy, to have compassion. Not to walk around and say, oh, that guy probably deserved it. He probably had a party last night. He got high or drunk and he got beat up. It's his problem. It's not my fault. Like, I mean, he deserved it. It's not the way Jesus sees it. So he got high. So he got drunk. And he got beat up. And somebody took his clothes and they took his wallet. He had nothing. And God expects us to show mercy and to have compassion. Micah 6 verse 8, he has shown you, a man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly. To love mercy. Another word is kindness and to walk humbly with your God. It's what it means to walk humbly. Put our pride aside. Open our wallet. Spend the time. Meet the need. Number four, again, this is kind of reiterating things, but it, it, meeting needs demands our, all, all of our effort and involvement because it's not just about time and money. It's about, it's about a very, very messy situation. Somebody sitting near the air conditioner there, just bump it up a little bit so that that thing runs. It's getting pretty warm in here, <laughs> I think, anyway. Even if, even if time and money are not significant issues, meeting needs is messy. It's messy physically, but it's messy emotionally and spiritually. That's what I mean about being all in. Now everybody's watching the air conditioner. I'll just wait until Mark turns it up, and then we can get back to the text. Sorry to, I, I blew it there, but yeah, just bump it a little bit, Mark, so that that thing turns on. Fantastic. You see, when we step in to meet needs, as this good Samaritan did, sadly, often our actions will be misunderstood and they will also be criticized. Just, it's just part of human nature. It's part of life. Uh, so do you think that the effort uh, to address the issue of homelessness in our district is not going to be met without opposition? Uh, we don't want those people here. Sorry, but they're already here. So how do we address this in the best way? And again, the level of effort and involvement isn't the issue. Not the amount of time, not the amount of money. Because again, my neighbor is anyone who has a need, whose need I am in a position to meet. And again, Jesus, now the scripture is on the screen. I tell you, anyone who gives a cup of cold water in my name because you belong to Christ, will certainly not lose his reward. You see, if you stop on the side of the road because somebody has a flat tire, doesn't mean you have to dish out 300 bucks to get his tire fixed or, or to call a tow truck and to pay for that. Maybe all you have is your cell phone and you give it to them and say, use it, please, like call somebody for help. If that's what you can do, that's what Jesus expects. A need that you can meet that you're in a position to meet. 
James says, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. So let's, friends, exercise mercy for the sake of the kingdom. Uh, Back to Kent Elementary, uh, this homeless issue. The Kent Elementary thing, fantastic what they're doing. The principal told me that emergency uh, requests through the Ministry of Family and Children, uh, the Ministry of De- uh, Family and Child Development and Community Services went down 33%, 33%. Just because, just because, kids were going to school fed and because they came home on the weekend with food. Because when, when there are, are families, parents who can't put food on the table on a weekend, but a backpack comes home that will get them through Friday night to Monday morning, what does that do to the stress level in the house? <sighs> Way down. The arguing is less. The fighting might stop. Dad is more calm. Mom is less worried. The ministry doesn't get called as much. And we have a healthier community. And it points people to the love of our Savior. So, I keep hammering on this, friends, but this is what I want our church to be known for, as a church in the community who exists to lead others to follow him, and we do that by meeting needs. Finally, meeting needs demands our love. Again, it's a back to a heart issue. This is the main issue. It always requires love, but it requires not just any love. It requires, it, it requires God's love, agape love, which is sacrificial love. You see, to be in relationship with God is based on sacrificial love. Like a husband for a wife, like Jesus with his bride, like us with our community, sacrificial. I've already said it, but here's the thing. Here's the reason why the action of this Good Samaritan required sacrificial, agape, God's kind of love. It's because the Samaritan and the man who were lying on the side of the road were probably completely different from each other in every way. Ethnically, they probably looked different. They probably spoke differently, maybe even a different language altogether, but for sure a different dialect. They expressed their religion differently, and yet the love of God prevailed because love overlooks differences. Love demands, the love of God demands that we avoid favoritism, racism, prejudice, in addition to the time, expense, emotion, and effort involved, the love of God cannot exist with bigotry. And, and we need to do ministry and to fulfill the mission that God has for us with the love of God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end here with a couple of passages. And I, Oliver, you, you, got your <laughs> you got your slingshot out. I, I'm winding it down, friends. I'm winding it down. James chapter two, verse eight. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. 
For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. And if you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy to the one who who has shown no mercy, because mercy triumphs over judgment. So friends, let's show mercy. Let's meet needs. Question to get us going this week as we think about entering sort of a new season and getting to know not only our physical neighbors, those close to us really well, but also the neighbors. Again, my neighbor is anyone who has a need, whose need I am in a position to meet. Let's say that again. My neighbor is anyone who has a need, whose need I am in a position to meet. What need in someone's life right now am I aware of that I am in a position to meet? Regardless of what religious, socioeconomic status, or ethnic background they might be, whatever values or position they hold, doesn't matter. Who is it right now that you know of that has a need that you're in a position to meet? Your homework this week is to go meet that need. Go meet that need and thereby fulfill the law of God. It's God's way because it's what Jesus did for us. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus didn't walk around you? Aren't you glad that Jesus gave his all for you? That my greatest need, your greatest need, the need to be forgiven, the need for grace and mercy could be accomplished. Let me finish with this, then we're going to pray, sing, and then we're going to have some food. Amen. (laughs) Mother Teresa said this. She was a master at meeting needs. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. That's why we're not giving up here, friends. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you that you showed us, and specifically us as a church, what it means to live out the good news of your son Jesus every day of our lives. So as we seek to develop this authentic relationship with you, to cling to you, to be all in, Lord, we can't do that without your power and we can't do that by ignoring the needs of others. So as we look to our community and our neighbors, help us in whatever way that you've gifted us with our time, with our money, with any resource we have to meet the needs of those among us who have needs and thereby show people 
the love of God. So bless us to that end. And uh, thank you for this church. Thank you that we can do this as a body. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.